Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Mike McPeak. Hello. And Jeff Sire. Hi, everybody. This week, hi, remember us? Um, <laughs> we're actually doing a recording, and we're going to be covering uh, the classic movie from Michael Crichton. Crichton? Crichton. Um, Crichton, thank you. I never pronounce it. I see, the minute I see it in print... The how I know it's pronounced just immediately leaves my mind. Anyway, Westworld. We're covering the classic Westworld, the old one with Yul Brenner and uh, James Brolin in it, uh, where basically a robot malfunction creates havoc and terror for unspe- unsuspecting vacationers at a futuristic adult-themed amusement park. Yeah, that's like the... Uh, it's a, it's, it's a one-sentence synopsis, and that just kind of covers the entire movie right there. <laughs> Um, well, I, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking I kind of want Yul Brenner's role because he had, what, about 10 words of dialogue? You know, I was thinking about I actually made a comment about that as I was watching it, um, that this must have been, like, horrifically boring for Yul Brenner. I mean, he has no emotions to express. I mean, there's just nothing. And he, like you say, he's probably got 10 words in the entire show. You know, he just walks around looking tough. I mean, as an actor... You did, he didn't have to bring much game to to this particular film, you know. Oh, I I disagree with that completely. Like the the thing that was struck me was especially when they had close ups on his face, is like how much he conveyed with just subtle, tiny little micro changes of his expression. That's true. I will give you that. It, yeah, but like, it was just yes, he, yeah. he didn't say much, but man, like yep. You you couldn't have given that role to just anybody. No, like he was scary, but he conveyed that there was thought going on, and oh yeah yeah, I thought he was great. No, and I I totally don't want to discount his acting in this. It was important, and Yul Brenner was brilliant in it, and he was a great cast, um, yeah. a great person to cast in that role. Um, just not a lot of range, you know. Um, right. Well, so it, it, this is. That would not be a role you would want to give to Adam Sandler or somebody no. who's like super effusive, right? This this needed somebody who would, was like a stage actor who oh yeah this like, needed badass somebody, right? Well, yeah, he needed to convey a certain amount of menace without being. Uh, I mean, he wasn't for uh, horribly physically active. He, he he walked. I don't remember him running. He walked all the time with uh, purpose and determination. Um, and you know, and like I said, he had to convey certain things without having to like overact a whole lot. He just had to kind of give you that look, and you got to be able to give that look. You just not everybody can do it. You just gotta, you know, you're going to die look. Right. Um, and it takes a certain badass actor to pull <clears throat> that off. I mean, and without ba- a doubt. And basically, his character was sort of modeled after the one that he did in the Magnificent Seven, even basically down to the outfit he wore with, I think, minor variations. But basically, it was the same character. Yeah, and speaking of which, um, the obvious parallels between this and Terminator are out there, and apparently Schwarzenegger um, was trying to mimic Yul Brenner from this film when he was uh, playing Terminator. Oh, oh so. that's... That's very cool. Yeah. That makes, makes a lot of sense when you say that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, th- this is one of those movies that I saw a billion years ago and left an impression as being, oh, that was really scary and really good and, you know, oh, my gosh. And you go back and watch it and it's like, oh, really? <laughs> this is pretty campy. 
but it's I it's I do think it's still a you know a classic piece of of sci-fi that it it did start you know some of those things the whole super scary you know robot that's out of control you know like that shows up again in Terminator um, of course the amusement park that goes wrong is you know Jurassic Park um, so there's there's a lot of things from Westworld that get pulled into other places too um and, well, and they are making they're doing a remake of it and I did not realize that's like two weeks away I think I saw it's coming oh, yeah. out October 2nd mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. I mean I'd kind of heard something about it but I didn't realize it was that imminent I mean we, we picked this because it was it needed to be done um, so we'll have to come back and, and do the new one <laughs> yeah right. I was told I was telling my wife uh, after I watched it like they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't make movies like I, I think our attention span. Well, you called it campy, and I'm not sure if it's it's campy or just a product of it of its time. Because we don't make movies where people just walk into a room and just slowly look, just pan around and look around. Like there's always got to be stuff going on all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't have movies where they have, at least not in the science fiction or action genre, where people just kind of. Where they just took their time, right? And to to kind of I don't know to develop tension in a scene, right? True. And it, there was something uh, about it too, where it wasn't. I, I my my memory of it was that there was it was much more action packed. That there was a much longer struggle between at the end between the you know the gunslinger well, and whatever. But it it seemed like it went actually well, quite fast. Just think that that scene at the end where the gunslinger is chasing him, and it's mostly on foot. Yeah. There's no way they do something like that today. There's not enough action. There, nobody's jumping off of something or swinging on a rope or yep. driving a car after somebody. And it's just the, essentially it's just this guy in black who's walking down <laughs> after this other guy. Well, I was trying to find it here, and part of the reason for that was because it was shot on a low budget. I want to say it was shot for like a million dollars or right, something 1. like that. Right, one point two five. Million yeah. quarter, but is that today's dollars or seventy three dollars? That's seventy three dollars. Yeah, because yeah. if right. that's seventy three dollars, that's not insignificant. No, no, that's but they a still did budget. the budget. Well, and there was, and, and uh, to credit it, it was one of uh, some of the first uh, digital uh, computer or digital effects for a movie when the you're looking through the eyes of the gunslinger through that pixelated look there. Um, that, that was one of some of the first digital uh, effects in a movie, and uh, I I can't find it right offhand, but basically somebody went to a business after hours and did this on you know the cheap because it was going to take like what they say uh, uh, two hundred thousand dollars and like a couple months to do this. So this guy just kind of used off peak computer time at some business um, and did all this stuff for you know basically next to nothing. And there was a lot of you know backlots used. A lot of the gunslinger scenes was you know backlots. They used. Um, some comedian's uh, uh, garden for some of the like the Roman scenes and some of that stuff. So they did a lot of this stuff on the cheap, um, and that and I think, but I think they made good use of what they had. And like I said, they built the drama by tension, not by special effects, not by showy. Yeah, stuff. it's almost in the yeah. the vein of Psycho a little bit, not quite mm-hmm. to that level, but you know, it was it was. Um, I don't want to say things were left to your imagination, but it, it wasn't for blood, guts, and gore, you know. Yeah. Um, it was just... Well, talking about uh, kind of the, the tech side of things, 
but like the the movie tech, like the how they make it. When is the last time that you saw a movie or a TV show that had a practical effect that it was r- a real person who was on fire? Yeah, like yeah. like for thirty seconds. <laughs> like they don't seconds. do that stuff anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, I I remember watching that going. This some some guy got paid big bucks for this, yeah. and they, yeah. they took they took ten or you know fifteen shots at this. I mean, this guy did this repeatedly because on screen, um, uh, the gunslinger is on fire, fully engulfed in flames for like thirty seconds. And if you actually do that, I don't, I don't think it was that. I, I bet it was just one scene because when you watched it, they had multiple angles on it. So I bet they had five or six cameras all going and they just did it once and then they spliced it all together to make it look like it was much longer. Okay, maybe that's the case, but but the way he was lit up, that doesn't just happen. I mean, it takes a while for the flames to get that, you know, that engulfed and that intense. And so there is a much longer period that this stunt person was at risk than, you know, the the little clips of the, the... peak of the flames that are, are in the show. Well, and this wasn't just, you know, light me on fire. This looked look like the towering inferno almost. I mean, those flames are shooting up there. I'm kind of going, you know, I had the same feeling when I was watching it. I'm going, wow, this is getting pretty intense. That stuntman must really have some, you know, kahunas to pull this off because, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, lit up pretty good there. I would be getting a little nervous at that point. And maybe it was, I, I would say it was maybe one shot, but like I say, multiple camera angles. Because I can't see a person trying to do this twice. That would just That's make what me... bothered me. I have to go back and look for the multiple camera angles because it was like, holy cow, that was intense. And have to do several yeah. takes of that. <laughs> I don't know how much you could pay a person to, you know, say, no, we, we need you to do that again, you know. Yeah. Well, it, and if you actually wanted to do it again, I would say seek psychiatric help because that was no, that was pretty. But it looked to me to be intense. Well, and one of the goofs in this movie too, as much as that flame was, like I say, he was fully engulfed and it was just roaring flames. And then later scenes, um, the guys, the gunslinger's outfit is pretty much intact. Um, yeah, <laughs> his clothing is like fireproof. <laughs> well, it was also uh, one fight where Yul Brenner throws the guy against the wall, and you can plainly see that the drywall is broken. And then they they, they go, the camera pans to Yul Brenner, and then it goes back, and all of a sudden the wall's all fixed. Yeah, there's there's several groups like that. Some of which were quite noticeable, yeah. others of which were a little more subtle, and you'd have to really be paying attention. But yeah, but I bet like it's easy for us today in you know 2016 to point at those things and laugh at them. But I bet that goes into a couple things. Like this was not like even though a million five went more a lot further back then. I, this is still not a big budget movie. No. But then also nobody had VCRs. Nope. Like you were you were counting on the fact that. Oh, people are just going to see this once in the theater, or if they really like it, they'll see it a second time. They probably won't notice, or if they do, that's an action scene that's going so fast that they they'll they can't kind of it won't stick. So, I bet that that's not a goof. It's just kind of like okay, well, we don't have the money, go back and reshoot that. Right. We can't. We don't have the technology to digitally remove it, so we're just leaving it in there. Well, and I basically. Think, uh- 
our yeah, basically have like, gotten different too. I mean, I yeah, think sure. we've learned something over forty or fifty years as far as how to make movies and and do that continuity and that type of thing. So I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would. Uh, may I? I think I'm splitting hairs, but I wouldn't say learn something. It's just that we have the ability to do things that they didn't have then, without jumping through a hell of a lot of extra hoops, right? And it's just, I think it, it's just kind of, it gets to a point like at that time, it's easier to, to do it this way than it would be to fix it. And nobody's going to really look, from their point of view at that time, nobody's going to look close enough to care. It boils down to basically two things. A, at that time, it was acceptable errors. And B, VCRs made us jerks. Because uh, we can go <laughs> yeah. back and Oh, yeah, you're stuff. totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, you can sit there and rewind and, oh, yeah, you know, it was in that hand before. Now it's in that. You know, when, if you're yeah. just – and I don't look – and there was a few goofs. When I notice goofs, they have to be pretty big because right. I'm not paying attention. So there's some pretty big ones in here. But, uh, yeah, it's if you sit there and you can go back and forth and compare things, and you know, then that's when things start to notice. But if you're just sitting there watching the movie, unless you're, you know, really anal retentive, you're not going to notice about 90% of these goofs that – they find in these movies and i goofs don't bother me because um i I, i'm much more interested in the story that they're trying to tell per than perhaps in the i don't want to say you know because starship troopers exists but (laughs) that in the in the way they tell it i mean but you know i I get that this was a professional Hollywood production and it wasn't yeah. like, you know, a college flick or whatever, so, you know, your standards should be high. But again, I don't care that there are goofs. I mean, the bent swords in medieval land were hilarious. I'm just, that was one goof that is like a really, you know, anyway. But um, again, the point was is that, you know, this was a. Uh, dangerous situation that robots were out of control and that's the point of the story Um, yeah so yeah i think we we uh sometimes judge too harshly based on filmmaking rather than the story that's trying to be conveyed oh speaking of medieval swords and um, the weapons (laughs) that were in westworld um it was interesting that some of the technology that they they talked about first off just real to real i mean mag tape computers with flashing <laughs> lights i'm sorry jeff i actually thought of you i mean given yeah. your work situation i'm going gee this is must be what jeff's workplace looks like all the blinking well lights. remember i told you that the the nuclear plant that i used to work at those little flashing lights yep. now the panel that had them was not that big it was maybe uh Let's see, maybe 20 lights across and probably seven or eight lights deep as I remember it. So whereas in the, the movie, they just showed banks and banks of those things. But those things were for real, right? Yep. Each time one of those lights flashed, it was showing that that little subroutine was running. And uh, yeah, yeah, those are those were at, at one time real things. <laughs> yep, I just I just laughed at that and went. Hmm. I'll have to mention that. I bet that looks yeah. familiar to Jeff. But uh, the weapons, the guns, supposedly, you know, the place where nothing could possibly go wrong. Um, the guns had a heat sensing mechanism, so that when you pointed it at a warm thing, such as a person. It would not fire, but when you pointed it at a cold thing, such as a robot or a mirror or whatever, um, it would. It's a real gun, and it would, you know, shoot. Well, 
here's one of those continuity errors, though, that did bug me a There's little bit. Several. Okay. <laughs> well, I know, I know. Well, okay, so the robots are supposed to be cold. Uh, you know, they're not supposed to generate heat like a human. But it did show us a couple scenes where they were kind of getting down with uh, some of the uh, maids in the uh, saloon there. I don't know if you'd want to get too intimate with a cold object. So you I know, never that even one... thought about that. Yeah, that would be very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, <laughs> you know, narcolepsy or something like Or not narcolepsy, uh, necro- necrophilia. Uh, necrophilia. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, that'd be a little creepy. So yeah, you know, there's one get of those our things. nasty kink fetishes. Straight here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, Speaking yeah. of, but, before we before we pass the saloon thing too, Major Barrett was the uh, <sighs> yeah was the saloon oh, uh, keeper lady. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I, yep. I did not even notice that. I just now that it, I remember looking at her face and saying, "Wow, she looks really familiar." But I never looked her up. Oh, yep. good. That wasn't just me. Yeah, because I looked through the cast and I'm going, "Oh, Major Barrett." Duh. Yeah. Then it was one of those head slapper moments. Yep. I looked at that and went, "Oh my god, that's just awesome." And speaking of continuity issues, Major uh, Chrissy, Krista, anyway, whatever her character's name was. Um, was also a robot, yet she was drinking whiskey in the pub. Yep. And la- at one of the later scenes, at the very oh, end, the, the gal in the torture chamber says, no, wa- no water, no water, no water, and gets a drink of water and fries all her circuits. So, <laughs> you know, there's continuity issues even with the... And that's the one thing that sci-fi geeks kind of go crazy on is when the, the rules are not consistent internally. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. yeah. You know, if your robot can drink, fine. Let them drink. That's fine that you've created that. But one robot can and one robot can't. That's a that's a, and you could argue they were different models. Maybe there'd been an upgrade. Yeah. They were made for different purposes. Oh sure, but that's kind of a bothersome one a little bit. But back yeah. to the pub and the um, the girls. Or the weapons is actually where we were talking. It was sure. interesting how you know the weapons were meant to keep the guests safe, right? You know, you weren't supposed to be able to get shot in Westworld or anywhere on Delos, I think it was called. Um, and but they also had a bar fight that involved fists and chairs and tables and mirrors and banisters on staircases and they're like i'm sorry it sure. just, they're you fall off a 10-foot you know banister you, you're gonna get an owie um, well and so. the, the thing that was bothering me was they apparently were using real bullets well they can ricochet so even if you're not pointing at something warm um right it can still ricochet so yeah there this would have been a liability lawyer's uh, you know daydream yeah. uh and- not, not to mention the fact that no matter what kind of tech you put in the bullets and in the guns, there's no tech to stop a three-feet-long blade from... You know, well, yeah, can we just talk blade. about that? The fact that, yes, you're supposed to be able to keep safe, and medieval world has swords. I mean, seriously, what do you do on those? That may, I mean, other than making them nerf swords, which they obviously weren't, um, that just... That was like, no... <laughs> That, it's like you can't make swords with heat sensing things like you did the guns. So yeah, it just and the and the flip side of that guns thing too is why in God's earth would you give the robots real guns? I mean, those should have been nothing but blanks. Yeah. Well, 
And the other thing I noticed that when, uh, especially when Yule Brenner got shot, th- those guys must have just been big old blood bags. I understand they wanted it, you know, to be showy or whatever. But man, he gets shot and it, it, it spurts out like it's under pressure or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like I say, I understand you want it showy. They want if you're shooting somebody, you want a, a good show. But good grief, that was just kind of like like it was just pressurized, and they're waiting for it to explode. And yeah, and it looks so much like paint. It was terrible. It did. <laughs> but before I, I uh, forget about it too, Delos, the name of this amusement park. Um, at least when it first began, I was, you know, questioning: Is this a place on Earth, or is this a place somewhere else? And I came to the conclusion: It's it's just a place on Earth. But you had yeah. to get into what we would call a spaceship. Um, it you know it was one hell of a nice airplane then that was supposed to be a hovercraft except it didn't operate like a hovercraft because it like you know came in from a hovercraft just hover so and it looked like it was magnetic landing pad thing anyway so that was an yeah. interesting little bit of spaceship and if you want to see how life on airplanes used to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> there were couches yeah. and you know <laughs> anyway uh, yeah. you mean not the cattle cars that they are now yeah. that was kind of a flashback but but that that whole transport to get out there alone was kind of a curious and interesting and and you know futuristic um bit of of technology it did it looked like a you know like a naboo ship well yeah all that for like a thousand dollars a day i'm thinking even in uh you know 68 dollars or whenever this was made that's 72 three 73. Even that seemed pretty cheap. I would have gone, you know, at least $5,000 a day for this kind of realism. So Yeah, I, 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 when they mentioned that, too, it's like $1,000 a day. It's like, okay, in, in uh, today's money, that would be not a problem. I mean, that would be such oh. a place. Yeah. I mean, because, like, Disney World gets close to $1,000 a day if you want to eat, you know. So. Most, most cruises will be within or over that, yeah. Yep. Yep, so, you know, in today's money, not that extravagant. In 73 money, a bit extravagant, but not otherworldly expensive, right. you know? So this was meant to be, you know, like an upper class, upper middle class, you know, type of uh, adventure for folks. Um, so it wasn't, you know, uh, the main character, I can't remember his name now, um, was a lawyer in Chicago. So, you know, that type of... Oh, okay. of sure. Well, and the one guy said he was a stockbroker. Right. Yeah, so, I don't remember. Did jo- uh, did James Brolin say what his... what I he did? I don't think he did. I don't yeah. th- remember that, so... But I, you- I think you're right in that was kind of like probably upper middle class. Yeah. Well, and you know, you got you get to thinking about as I was watching it. You know, the the equivalent of Westworld today would be like all these uh, rock band camps where you pay a yeah. bunch of money to become part of the you know the experience. And you know that uh, that, uh, that idea. And there's other things along that line. So uh, you know, not with robotics, not with the level of things going horribly wrong that this movie has, or at least you hope not. Well, but I go ahead. Sorry, I don't. Well, I, no, no, I just you know it was. Um, 
you know, that idea is kind of, uh, I don't know if this movie necessarily started that idea of, you know, real life immersion camps like that. But I, you know, it, you can see where it's kind of gone today. There's also, there's like a heavy kind of, they never really address it too closely, but there's a pretty heavy sexual innuendo, which I bet this new series will go way, go way more into. Um, but there's definitely like the 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 ladies talking about oh the Romans well it's all the men and all this and, and then the, the first th- one of the first things the guys do is like well let's go to the you know bordello and so um, that's not unlike like you have sex tourism yes. today with like resorts sure. like hedonism and stuff like that so like that's a you know that's a real thing now so if you have sex with a robot is it cheating on your wife. <laughs> Well, see, that's, <laughs> we're all about tech, not morale. Oh, okay, I was going to say that. That would be yeah. – Welcome for our new podcast, This Week's in Sex. So, yeah. yeah. Which, you like, know, my, like my sidestep there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could run for politics. Anyway. <laughs> um, but but um, it's, it's, it's very much – that is one of the appeals of this place is sure. that all of those rules are – matter of fact, that's one of the malfunctions is the the – the servant girl in yeah. medieval times turns down one of the nobles and it's like wait a minute they're not supposed to do that so um yeah that it's that was definitely part of it i yeah we should we're kind of getting ahead of the game here but the new one coming out what on earth are they going to do with that what do you think they're- oh i when i was watching this and i knew that there was a new one coming because one of the things that i wish that they'd done that i'm pretty sure that they'll do in the new one is that I wish the robot had become self-aware. Like, I wish he'd said, you killed me a bunch of times and it's not going to happen again. Like, that would have been, that's a much cooler story to me. Like, and that's where I thought they were going when they said that they had this kind of virus that was seemed to be kind of being transmitted around. Well, I thought that was uh, where they were going with it, that they were going to have these cases where the robots were becoming self-aware and it that wasn't the wasn't the case but the new thing is a series it's not just a movie yeah and and the idea that robots go bad every week is i'm just curious as heck to see what they're gonna do with that i mean well unless it unless it morphs into a fantasy island type you know scenario where people show up each week and or or you have oh. like the initial pilot episode where the robots go bad and every week is a week of getting away from them. Here's the one sentence description that they have in Wikipedia for it. Described as a dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness and the future of sin. The series tells the story of a futuristic theme park called Westworld. Seems like we are right on all counts. <laughs> they should have say. contacted us to write this for them. <laughs> Well, and then I'm just picturing, like, you know, since this was set in 73, Mae West was still a thing in 73, so I'm just picturing, when I go bad, I really go bad. Yeah. <laughs> and for all you people too young, look up Mae West, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. But uh, Yeah, this the, there was so much, I mean, this movie kind of was ripe for a remake. Um, there is so much potential to it. I mean, they did well, a lot with it, but there's so much potential to it. To it, and the filmmaking of 1973 could definitely be improved upon. So, yeah, I mean, I can see why they're remaking this. Well, and they did do a uh, a sequel called Future World, 
and I think that fell flat. And then they had uh, Beyond Westworld, which was a TV series, and I think they only showed three of the five episodes, and then they pulled the plug on it. So they've tried. Uh, they just haven't done it right yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential here. I mean, look at the Terminator series. It's the same thing. You say, what are you going to do with the Terminator series? Well, then you have the Sarah Connor Chronicles that goes on week after week, you know. So, you know, yeah, sure. I'm just, bring it. I'm looking forward to see what they do with it. Um, I'm I'm curious as heck to see how they okay. decide to write well, it. Here's the blurb for the uh, Future World movie. Um See, in the sequel to the Westworld, two reporters are invited to Future World, a Disney-esque resort for adults, to see what changes have been made since the early model robots went haywire and killed some guests. Once there, they discover a grandiose scheme to replace the leaders of the world's most powerful nations with robot clones. I could see how that one could kind of maybe tank. It sounds a little limited in their scope. I love how the way they phrase that, how the robots went haywire and killed a few guests. They killed all the guests and yeah. all the workers. Okay, everybody died except one person. Except, except Richard Benjamin. And I don't know, there's something about Richard Benjamin. I just wish he would have been killed. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> you pick the wrong you know, hero for yeah. this movie. James yeah, James Brolin, Brolin the one yeah. who survived. Yeah, because there's just something about – I like what Richard Benjamin does, but there's just something about him sometimes that you just kind of want to see him get shot. Yeah. I mean, the 70s porn stash was just needed oh. to go. <laughs> Lord. No, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's interesting, though, too, how they portrayed um, – I, I couldn't quite – you know, the Network Ops Center. Oh, was interesting. You know, they were keeping an eye on everything that was going on um, and spying on you, you know, the entire time that you're there, basically. And uh, it seemed like there was a, a network, you know, like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth or something that was controlling and you would have the ability to change the programming or, you know, send commands to the robots as yeah. they were out in the field. But, of course, when things went wrong, you know, it seemed like they couldn't do anything with that. It was it was like they had – and then they had to bring them in for repairs and upgrades and, you know, reprogramming and stuff. It's like they didn't – and, again, hindsight here. We now know how that all works. Um, right. And in 73, maybe they – you know, it wasn't common. Heck, cell phones weren't invented. Shoot, it was three years until the Apple computer was created. So, you know, they didn't have that type of thing. So it, it was kind of curious how, you know, at some points they would have remote control of the robots, and other times the, the robots were completely hands-off. Well, yeah, that, and then, and you know, this is why you shouldn't use uh, show too much tech uh, in your movie because at some point it becomes outdated. I'm watching them pull out these motherboards with capacitors and transistors yeah. on it, right. and and you're shooting them with bullets. I mean, what could possibly go, go wrong, wrong there? <laughs> and then you got to bring them in and repair them. Um, well, the other thing that absolutely floored me on that particular scene, they were taking them down there. Um, the number, the ratio of workers to guests. I mean, there might if it, the the opening scene that looked like they brought in like three golf carts worth of guests, basically. So we're 
I'll be generous and say 50 guests. Uh, and I'm being real generous because half that may have been closer to the truth. Um, but 50 guests in this place. There are scenes where they show the ops room, and there's got to be 20, 20 guys in the ops room. And then there's a repair room, and there's this long corridor of of people getting, you know, essentially surgery on the robots. You know, there's got to be dozens of them. And then you got the the workers that go out in the middle of the night and collect all the dead bodies from the you know old West Town. And you know, there's just this whole army of workers for these. 25 to 50 guests. Well, as you were talking, I finally figured out their the way that they pay for this. You may pay a thousand dollars a day to go there, but the blackmail fees after they record you yeah. doing all sorts of kinky <laughs> things is what pays for it. <laughs> that could very well be. <laughs> There's a subplot for you. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, you know, you're getting you're getting it on with a robot barmaid. You know, this could be uh, you know what would your you know, the parishioners of your church think? You know, whatever. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. You're a, you're a lawyer. <laughs> we could admissible evidence in court. Anyway, oh dear. But yeah, that was uh, the whole amount of infrastructure required to make this fantasy happen was overwhelming to be honest <laughs> well and sort of you know sort of overkill almost mm. and i'm just there were scenes when i'm sitting there and like I say they were watching everything you do and there was one thing like yes he wants to have a uh, i forget what it was he wants to have a party tonight or he wants to have something so yes go yeah, ahead and, to, you know, dinner with the it. king yeah make that happen. yeah there you go yeah well, I guess it's supposed to be, you know, the rich and privileged, you know, this is their indulgence, this is their, you know, their excess or whatever. But, uh, and I don't know, maybe, you know, for some of the super rich, this would be on a level of what they would want. But, you know, these people didn't strike me as super rich. They were, you know, no. middle class. Yeah. So it's another case like that where, you know, it doesn't affect the story at all. But don't look at it too closely no. because no, no. it doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense when you start, you know, getting yeah. down to don't it. Poke. Don't for, for a movie that's in 1973, though, a lot of the technology that they go over is, is while they didn't have it at the time, is not far off. Like you, from sure. what we have today, like you said, like uh, Wi-Fi networks and uh, and updating software on the fly and stuff like that. They they even talked about how the line really really jumped out at me because we've actually talked about it on the show he said the uh, they were talking about that they had computers that were programming computers we don't even know how these things really work right that's exactly we talked about that I brought that up with that uh, computer that uh, became the world uh, go champion that they had taught that computer how to play go and then had it play go against itself and learn from those games and it played millions and millions of games against itself and in the end when it was playing they did not they they said that they did not fully understand the the programming rules that it had set up for itself because it had taught itself how to play hmm. wow unplug that baby <laughs> right yeah like you know that there, there's an awful lot of site like uh uh, the Terminator movies, that's the whole thing that, you know, when Cyberdyne went online on this date at this specific time, it started learning at a geometri- geometric rate. And you can, like, yep. you know, there's, th- there is the potential for that to happen. Like, I know I've, I've uh, read a, a couple of things recently. Like, was it, uh, 
Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, uh, I think they've both said that they think that the most serious threat facing mankind today is artificial intelligence, that it be hand because it's coming, and that if, if, if it's not handled properly, you have the potential of computers you know, becoming the bosses of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's... it's <sighs> yeah, I can't deal with things at that level. <laughs> I I don't listen Joe Rogan's podcast is like super super long, so I don't listen to it that often, but he had Sam Harris on, who's a uh I think he's a neurosurgeon or he's a brain scientist of some type. And uh he's they they were talking about uh artificial intelligence and he I've never heard it put as simply as this he said in order for artificial intelligence to happen you only have to accept two things one is that intelligence doesn't have any sort of divine sparks or if you think if you believe that we're intelligent because god placed a divine spark then computers will never have that so if you think that we have developed this intelligence that we have through evolution then there's nothing special about it. So if you believe that, then the only other thing that you have to believe is that computers are going to continue get, to get better. And if you, though you, if you believe those two things, artificial intelligence is inevitable. It's not just a maybe or a we might get to it. It will happen. Because if our intelligence isn't divine and it is just an evolved thing and computers continue to get better, they will get better. Maybe not within our lifetime or or whatever, but they will get to a point where they can mimic the human brain. And it all goes back to Star Trek and it will be on autopilot (laughs) and kill us all. <laughs> Just hey, like in this hey, show. Hey, come on. Uh, Data never killed uh, his shipmates. Uh, I can't no, Lord, remember. Lord did. Lord did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was listening to um, uh, Mission Log Pod, and they were talking about, I forget which one it was, but they pointed out the fact that in the TNG universe, 50% of the uh, androids were psycho killers because you had lore and data. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, you know, that is interesting, though, too. Speaking of AI... Um, the gunslinger was definitely chasing the lead character who I, whose name I, from the movie Peter Peter Martin. That's right, because it's the same name as a friend of mine. Um, and um, they were out in the badlands, you know, out in the desert, and he was definitely chasing him, and he was getting away. And, and then um, Peter had run across an, an actual worker whose golf cart had broke down he's changing the tire and he says what can we do and, and he says there's nothing you can do you're going to die blah 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 blah. and he gave him the hints that you know that um he got to use to to good effect later but gunslinger comes by and shoots the worker where in his programming did it say eliminate every human being in that you encounter i mean that seemed i mean i, I understand that you would go after the fellow cowboy um, the guy who's killed you the before. The guy that's killed you before. Yeah, that makes sense. But it, that that was kind of odd to me that it was like, okay, the gunslinger is out to kill everybody he comes across. Um, and that and that was true in all of the worlds for all of the robots, I guess, because everybody died, you know. Um, that's kind of weird because some of those robots, that wasn't really their programming to begin with. I mean, they weren't. Killers. Right. The gunslinger is obviously a killer. The barmaids were not. 
No, you should just be serving him drinks to death or yeah, something to that know. effect. Um, or something. And, you know, that kind of... Um, take it one step further this is this movie sort of introdu- or introduced sort of the first idea of a computer virus of something in the computers that you don't understand that's making him go nuts and so um and i don't know was this you know and they did and it's a good thing they didn't because i think it probably would have spoiled the movie but they didn't say you know what this was causing to go wrong have they reached self-awareness and they were overthrowing their uh you know bags most bags of mostly water masters or something here or you know what was going on were they resentful about the way they've been oppressed by the system or um did just see everything as a threat and decided to destroy it yeah there was no no hint of that and it wasn't like you know again the gunslinger um and maybe he's one example, but that doesn't explain the other robots where basically no. they get stuck on their program. So the gunslinger's programming is to shoot, you know, people. That's his programming, right? You know, to, to threaten right. them and draw, you know. Um, but the, like the barmaids, that wasn't their programming. Why would they Why would they no. not just be, you know, hanging out at the bar like they do? Well, it, uh, on one hand, if they would try to give a, you know, an explanation, maybe it would have ruined it. But it would be nice if there would have been some connective tissue, like, uh, you know, maybe going back to the gunslinger that, you know, this whatever is affecting the computers, you know, he takes that and realizes that people are shooting me. We must defend ourselves. The others pick up on this, on this, uh, his thought, his mutation, or whatever it is, and then they act upon it. Something like that, I think, could have been thrown in for a little, you know, uh, connectivity. But I don't know without having to go into great detail to explain it. Uh, that might have ruined the movie, but just something to connect it to make just a little sense out of things. Yeah, the one thing that I th- thought was interesting and kind of a, a a theme that continues on because it's a thing, I suppose. Um, is that the people in charge, you know, essentially the management team or the, the board of directors or whoever it was were having a meeting about these anomalies that seemed to be t- popping up, and they're like, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. We can't possibly, you know, scare the guests. Um, maybe we'll, we'll shut down for a month, but the ones that are here will finish up. It'll be fine, you know. So that... Um, <laughs> that that was... Kind of, and that shows up in some of the later, you know, Remakes of this, like Terminator and, and Jurassic Park, um, where the initial response is not appropriate it, for the well, threat. No, it's somewhere between uh, you know our system couldn't possibly go wrong to uh, we don't want to you know affect profitability, so let's just kind of minimize it and marginalize it and and deal with it. Let's not shut the place down and risk losing money and bad bad. Pl- Publicity, so it, it falls somewhere between those two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I guess I have, I have not seen Future World. It would be interesting to see their take on the publicity that comes out from the amusement park, killing every single person that was there, <laughs> yeah, guests yeah, and you, workers alike. How do you spin that? Yeah, yes, how uh, do you recover from? Oh, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. No, no, I don't think you will. <laughs> Yeah, that's like slapping a band-aid on Titanic and saying, yeah, we'll fix it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think you're kind of done now, okay? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was interesting. Oh, what else is in the, the movie that we need to go over? It's, you know, honestly, it's it's a relatively short, it's only like an hour and a half, and I understand that there were several scenes that got cut out of it because... Uh, 
the director decided, you know, we just don't really have to hash this to death. So it does kind of, I mean, it's not fast-paced, like, you know, fast no. and furious type thing, but it's cohesive and the story moves along at an appropriate pace. Um, but there's just not a lot to the story. I mean, it's a very yeah. simple story. I mean, you could write this as a short story, to be honest. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for you sure. Know, um, it's, you know, people go to this amusement park where they can interact with robots and pretend they're gunslingers. Gunslingers get out of hand and shoot everybody. The end. Um, so, And they could have shortened it up just a little bit more. That cheesy commercial at the beginning just made me want to bang my head against something because, you know, it was overacted. And I think I read somewhere that they put that in there and it was written by an ad exec because the writers happened to be on strike at that point or something. And, and God did that show because it was just like, you know, this overacted, yes, we want to go to Westworld because, you know, whatever. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of goofs, that was one, I mean, right at the beginning, right, I mean, the first minute mm-hmm. of the show, the guy who was doing the interviewing had no idea how to handle a microphone. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, God, I was going crazy. around like a wand. I was totally going crazy between the fact that he was just waving it around wherever and um, and the way he was waving it around, it appeared that it weighed nothing. I mean, it just... What he was doing with it was not a real microphone has heft to it, and that thing oh, yeah. looked like it was just like a a roll a tuba from the paper towel roll that had been painted silver and a you know ball stuck on the end. It was just, ah, uh, I had to get past that one. That that is a little tough to uh, start a movie out that way, but once you get past that, the rest of it was you know acceptable, plausible enough. Uh, like I say, don't poke too many things too hard. But if you want a you know a popcorn movie, you can sit back and watch. I would say this isn't too bad a movie. So no, no, and and to circle back to where we started, Yul Brenner was brilliant. I mean, he really was. Like I say, this is not a character like The King and I. It's just not. Right. But. He did bring his A-game. He's scary as hell. Um, oh, and a couple of things that happened, too. A couple of people actually got hurt in this movie, including Yul Brenner. Um, oh, yeah? There was one of the bullets actually, I mean, there was something, one of the guns shot something or ricocheted or something. Uh, anyway, and he scratched his eye, and he couldn't wear those reflective contacts for a while. He had to be careful. Um, when shooting because his eye would turn all red and it'd get teary and whatever. And then the second actual injury that happened on here, the the scene with the rattlesnake out in the desert, apparently they used a real rattlesnake, which you would not do in, you know, 2016. Um, but they had milked it first and, you know, wrapped James Brolin's arm in, you know, heavy padding. But apparently he got bit anyway. Um, he actually got bit by a rattlesnake with from the lower fangs. In that scene. So, if you actually, I mean, that to be honest, of all of the acting and stuff that this movie, that scene did seem out of out of it was a different quality than the rest of them because I think he was actually going, "Shit, this hurts! <laughs> Damn it, I got bit!" I mean, there was a, there was a bit of realism to that scene that the rest of it just really didn't have. So, yeah, owie. 
that was also a discontinuity thing too, where they actually shot that rattlesnake to get him. You know, when they when he got him off, and then when they brought it in for repairs, the snake you know didn't have any bullet holes. I love the way they the the workers went out there with you know like a set of tongs to pick up this robotic rattlesnake. I mean, if it's a robotic rattlesnake, just pick it up. You know. Well. <laughs> And and again, I and maybe I'm a little fixated on it, but then they cut it open and they pull the circuit board out. And how does it supposed to slither when you have right. solid objects in there? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, don't poke it too hard. Just it's a robot rattlesnake. Yep. they did the best they could. Yep, so. I get it. It's kind of like poking the original series of Star Trek. Some of that stuff is pretty crap too when you start looking at it. But anyway, so if you could have one of those pieces of tech, which one would it be? Not a gunslinger that kills you. <laughs> um, I don't know, a robotic barmaid maybe that would serve me drinks or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I, I, I think I'd like the opportunity to go to a vacation like that where things didn't go break and try and well, kill me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah, the killing. If you leave out the killing part, this thing is actually yeah. kind of awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Tr- true. I mean, if this had been, yeah, what they were selling really would be awesome. I mean, Although I just I, came back from the Renaissance Festival this weekend. I just spent a day doing this, basically. You know, minus I didn't dress up and whatever, and it's a it's a different experience. But that's why you go to a Renaissance Festival is to go be in that medieval thingy. That's yeah. you know. So but I mean, that I don't want. Realism. I want our skewed version, yeah. our fantasy version of yep. it. Yeah, like anytime you ever like, we are living in the best time in human history. Period. <laughs> like a street person today has a better life than you know royalty did in medieval Europe. They're just it was horrible, brutal, you know, awful. And the Wild West stuff. Yeah, it's 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 cool to watch. But they would be dirty, filthy, yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah, no. That I I think uh, a vacation where you had like or a ren fair where you're having this kind of uh, uh, fantasy version of that. That's kind of neat. Or the like the Civil War reenactors. Well, they they you know they say they they make it as realistic as possible. But at the same time, there's a certain percentage of those guys that are going back to hotels at night right. and stuff like that. And they're, uh, there's they all- probably not too many of them that are going to make it as realistic as possible for a week. You know, you make it for a weekend or something like that, oh, that's okay. And the difference is you know it will end. The difference is, and you know how yes. it ends. You know, if you're actually living through that... And it doesn't end with you contracting smallpox. Right, or, you know, (laughs) dying of gangrene on the battlefield, you know, three days after the battle. Or Um, stuck on a rack and pulled apart or something. Yeah, which is actually one of the scenes they cut from this show. (laughs) Which is probably a good thing, Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, that was a good choice because it would have added nothing to it. Okay, but But here's here's the killer question, though. Would you guys go to a Starship Trooper world? Only if I can change the Okay. Well, Starship Troopers, the book, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to think. Well, unless, you know, we could, you know, uh, shoot Do- Doogie Hauser, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, shoot some of the characters, and that would be okay. But, you know, uh, yeah, the, the book uh, world would 
show some interest for me. Of course, even in the book, again, it's one of those things you're romanticizing certain things, but you know, you're talking about training. That was, you know, it was brutal. It's like training should be. So I think you'd probably get the nicer parts of the, the less brutal parts of the book, like you would anything else. So yeah, it's 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 what we fantasize, not the reality of the situation. Oh, God, no! Reality sucks. I know. The one piece of tech that I'll take from this one are those um, air, airplanes, hovercraft, spaceships, whatever you want to call them. Those are kind of cool. And, and actually, the way they were depicted landing and some of that other stuff, it's like, that, it was kind of an interesting, uh, I'm not, I don't know that I've seen it before. It was a little bit like, you know, landing in Cloud City, but it was, yeah, I'll take that. Plus, you know, couches on an aircraft. Sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so. with no seat belts, so when you crash, you die. Yeah, but whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> the fan. robots are going crazy. Who cares about the airplanes crashing? Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. So, oh well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, where there's some cool space junk available. Um, pop into the forums there, take part in the conversation. You can tell us what you would do at Westworld, or which of the three. There were actually, you know, the three worlds: medieval, the the Greek slash Roman. Um, or Westworld, which one you'd go to. Uh, if you have ideas and comments, please send them to greetings at sci-fi-tech-talk.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sci-fi-tech-talk. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Mike, where can people find you? Well, before I give out my contact information, I wanted to throw out something here. Uh, a friend of the show and uh, so, uh, someone who's been a guest on here has run into some medical problems. He's uh, kind of hard time. Mark Shepard, he's had a, a few strokes in his life. Is uh, He's got to do some adapting, and he, they've got a GoFundMe page set up for him, and I'll uh, give the link to Julie to put in the show notes. But, uh, you know, if we could pull together to help someone who's helped us, you know, that would be a a really great thing to do but if you want to go check it out and you know give what you can to you know help somebody that's been a big supporter of this show and the other shows that i've done and he's always been there for us so i i wanted to throw it out for people hi mark yeah we're, we're rooting for you dude so uh but yeah if you want to hear more about what i uh do you can uh follow me on twitter at dsc chipman and i have my uh uh, about me, uh, about dot me page, about dot me slash Mike McPeak. That's uh, M C P E E K. Jeff, how about you? Where can folks find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S Y E R. Um, and I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J U L I E K U E H L. Links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Yes, I was recently on the Backstory podcast from the Mac Observer, so at MacObserver.com. Um, I can be, they've got an, a, a post up there, f- f- me and John Martellaro, who at some point in the future we will have to get onto this podcast. Um, also, speaking of shout-outs, going to give a shout-out to another uh, fan of the show, Joe Gates, recovering from some serious neck surgery. Um, sounds like he's making progress, though, so go, Joe. And next week, we're going to be covering the movie Predestination. Um, a quick synopsis of this one is that for his final assignment, a top temporal agent must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. The chase turns into a unique, surprising, and mind-bending exploration of love, fate, identity, and tri- time travel taboos. So brace yourself for that one. That's it for this show, though, and we'll see you in the future.
Yeah, this is sci-fi tech talk.